0: Shalom, and welcome again to Seekers of Meaning, the podcast and TV arm of Jewish Sacred Aging. I'm your host, Rabbi Richard Edress. Thank you very, very much for your time and for joining us in what we hope to be a very, very interesting and informative conversation as part of our little series here on um, health and wellness issues that we confront in our generation. And to help guide us through uh, what can sometimes be maybe uh, sort of like a maze, um, we welcome, to uh, Seekers of Meaning Meredith Becker, the Chief Operating Officer for Lionsgate Continuing Care Retirement Community. Meredith, how are you? It's nice to see you. Thank you for joining us.
1: Rabbi, thank you so much for having me.
0: So this is part of this, as I I mentioned to you, a, a little series that we're trying to do to take a look at some of the issues around health and wellness. You are an expert in helping, guiding us through some of the vocabulary Uh, let's start with some basics. Uh, Define for me the difference between a CCRC, CCRC where you work, and assisted living, skilled nursing. Um, What's the difference?
1: Sure. Um, So let's start out with CCRC, which stands for Continuing Care Retirement Community, which means that independent living, assisted living, Skilled nursing and short term rehab can be found all on one campus. So, for example, a lot of times people may enter at the independent living phase, and as they age in place or their needs change, they may move through the continuum of service that's being offered, where they will move from an independent living apartment to an assisted living apartment, possibly from an assisted living ap- apartment to skilled nursing, should they need that level of care? Or at the same time, if anybody in any level of care needs what is known as subacute rehab or short-term rehab, both are synonymous, that people could come under their Medicare benefit and receive those rehab services and return back to their original level of care. Or if their original level of care was out in the community, they could return back to their home that they originally came from before uh, their most recent episode. When you are looking at each level of care, independent living is simply exactly that. It's an apartment with services, meaning that there's a lot of social programming. There is oftentimes a dinner meal included. Um, There's an opportunity to most likely Get breakfast or lunch at a bistro or a cafe that would be offered. But the people that come there are really in charge of themselves. When you start needing some support, that's when assisted living starts to come into play. Support could be that you need medication reminders, um, you may need queuing to come to attend programs, to come to meals, um, you may need help with some of what we call the ADLs or activities of daily living, which are toileting, dressing, eating, bathing, and transferring. You may need a little bit of help in any of those. Um, some of those you may be dependent in one or two of those, but your needs can be met um, without having to have somebody be right by your side all the time. When you get into skilled nursing or long-term care, you are looking for people at that time that are probably more dependent in the activities of daily living, meaning that they are no longer able to perform a number of those activities of daily living on their own um, or need a tremendous amount of support in those areas of, of activities of daily living. So you can find independent living that stands alone all by itself. You can find assisted living that stands alone all by itself. You can also find nursing care that stands alone all by itself. And reasons why people choose one over another sometimes is geographic preference. Sometimes it could be amenities. Sometimes it could be people are not really familiar with what is actually available to them. Um, But there is a nice Comfort when you are able to be in a continuum because you, in theory, know if you need additional support where you're going to get it.
0: Meredith, the people walking into the CCRC where you work, uh, could you kind of like give me an estimate of the average age of when people will come into this?
1: So, when Lionsgate, uh, for example, first came to be in 2007, I would say our average age was probably the late 70s. And all of these years later, um, I would say our average age right now is probably really between 85 and 88. Wow. But yeah, we're seeing people live longer. So um, we're seeing a paradigm shift a little bit as well is that people are coming in, um, you know, with different needs than they once had uh, from when we first opened
0: so so the so the coming into the independent living 85 to 88 wow yeah. that's 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 a whole sermon in itself which it, we're, it not, <laughs> we're not going to get to don't worry about it but um so i would imagine then the independent living component is much shorter now before people move to, down uh, through the the continuum is that would that be a, a correct assumption?
1: Sometimes. Um,
0: Sometimes,
1: but what we see um, oftentimes is people they may come in as completely independent. They start to need a little bit of support. They end up um, hiring a home health aide to help support them. For example, they could hire a home health aide to help prepare some meals, breakfast or lunch. If they didn't go down to the you know the bistro area, they could do laundry for them. They could be driving them to appointments. We do offer bus service, but it is um, not, you know, a one-on-one, you know, type of situation. So people hire home health aides to provide them, you know, with the help with the ADLs.
0: So one of the things that always comes up in working with families and couples in, in our work is what we call the economics of aging which are changing rapidly, not necessarily, I think, for the better. Um, so there was a 2021 GenWorth study, so it's already a couple of years old, that the national average, according to this study, the national average of assisted living to go into an assisted living room, not CCRC, not independently, but assisted living, was $4,500 a month. Um, is that, in your experience in the ballpark, or is it too low, or is it way too high?:
1: I think and it's they- actually, yeah, a little low, to be a honest. Low. So but I'll, I'll tell you why I, I, I think that. A lot of times what consumers don't realize is when they are looking at a freestanding assisted living in particular, um, they may be getting a room and board rate. And then what happens is they add on a level of care, they add on a medication administration charge, they add on, it could be incontinence products, you know. So what you may think at 45 is all-inclusive, oftentimes actually is not. So the consumer really needs to do the math and ask the questions because at least in the state of New Jersey, there is no set requirement. How people present their pricing structure so while I do offer um, you know uh, pricing that that I we don't charge for medication administration that's wrapped into the level of service we don't charge for um, you know different types of you know sometimes it's if you need a certain amount of medication you're charged a higher level we don't do that but there are competitors that do that so it's I think if I had one message to say to people that are in the assisted living marketplace would be to really understand the fees and the charges before you decide that you're going to X, Y, or Z
0: place. You know, when I, I remember when I had to do this with my mom many years ago, it it can be overwhelming. It can be overwhelming. So there may be people who will listen to this or watch this that are entering that phase of life where they're going to have to make some of these decisions. um, Where do they, where can somebody go for help to help navigate this system? Because as you said, there's so many little variations and, and, and levels of charges and care and uh, it may not all be regulated from state to state and location to location. Uh, I know there's, there are geriatric care managers. Yep. Is that where I should go?
1: Um, You can definitely, um, look into a geriatric care manager. There are some services that just simply help people get take them around um, to look from place to place. So you could hire them and they schedule your appointments. They go with you on the visits and they help guide you as to which location or which community is the best one for you. Um, you also have the option of working with an elder care attorney who oftentimes now offers um, but I would say full service, so they usually have a social worker um, or a case manager themselves that will help facilitate the process of finding the right community for you too.
0: But that and all that is could be an additional charge if I go out and hire a case Correct. manager from right. ABC Elder Care. Okay,
1: the elder care would be for a fee. Um, the right. geriatric case manager would be for a fee. Um, sometimes what I'm referring to, um, is a person that, that takes you around. Oftentimes the community is working fees out with that person. So there's no fee to the consumer, but it is, um, it's purely looking at different options, you know, um, uh, and taking you around. It's not doing any additional care managing for you. It's just helping with the selection of the community.
0: So all of this is really, you know, it's, it, again, it's, it's, this, this takes time. And, um, and I, and I know from our uh, clergy experience, and I'm sure you have the experience that sometimes people wait till the last minute, the crisis happens and they may not be able to do all the due diligence. There are lots of beliefs out there associated with what we call the economics of aging. One of them, I, you'll tell me if I'm totally, totally out of the ballpark here, is yes, uh, we we have to make these decisions, uh, but dad is uh, 82 and um, Medicare will cover these expenses. True, false? False. So uh-huh.
1: how Medicare works is that what I like to tell people is that Medicare does not pay for you to live. Medicare is a benefit that helps you when you're in the hospital. It helps you when you go to see doctors, and it will pay for a portion of subacute rehab or short-term rehab, again, synonymous, after you've had a qualifying three-midnight stay in a hospital setting. So if people are looking for support for them to pay for their day-to-day living, That comes to be really under the auspices of Medicaid. So keep in mind, Medicare is a federally funded program. Medicaid is funded by the state and the federal government, but it is managed by the state. So, for example, the Medicaid qualifications in the state of New Jersey will differ than the Medicaid qualifications in Pennsylvania. What the program pays for in New Jersey will differ than what it pays for in Pennsylvania if you're speaking about Medicaid. If you don't mind, just for a second, regarding Medicare, people often don't know what type of Medicare plan they have. For example, do they have a traditional Medicare plan where you have a Medicare Part A, Medicare B, you typically have a drug program Medicare D, Oftentimes, you may also have a supplement or a Medigap. That's all, you know, Medigaps, supplements, they're synonymous. They mean the same thing. So, that's a traditional model of Medicare. Or, a lot of times, people now have what is known as Medicare C or Medicare Choice or Medicare Advantage plan, which is usually not run by the government and it's usually run by an Aetna Horizon. Bravo by private insurance. And the reason I bring this up is because um, sometimes people don't understand that Medicare, when you come to a subacute stay, in either scenario, they pay, well, if it's traditional, they'll pay up to the keywords here are up to 100 days for subacute rehab with the traditional Medicare plan provided, you are still making progress towards a goal. Oftentimes I see people that think they have 100 days and they're just going to be with us for 100 days um, and then they will return to whatever living situation that they had come from or if they need to readjust their living situation and be discharged. Um, but again, it's up to 100 days. When you have a Medicare choice or a Medicare Advantage plan, Medicare HMO, again, all synonymous, Oftentimes, the insurance company will make the determination as to how long your length of stay in rehab will be. So they look at the metrics, they look at your progress, and they're making a determination as to how long they believe that you need rehabilitative services.
0: But to be clear, Medicare does not pay for my assisted living room.
1: Assisted and, living is traditionally a private pay market only. However, in the state of New Jersey, there is a program um, called, a Medi- uh, it's a Medicaid program where you can apply for assisted living Medicaid.
0: So on that, just to again clarify, because this is part of the maze, to qualify for Medicaid, again, state by state but you have to spend down and, and and there is a a back a look back if that's the correct terminology of several years to in order to spend you have to in other words if i'm not mistaken you have to li- liquidate assets to qualify for medicaid so medicaid can then pick up the cost of that care am i correct on that
1: Yes, but I'm going to flush it out just a little.
0: Which Please is, flush away.
1: <laughs> which is, so how Medicaid uh, works is that typically someone needs to have no more than $2,000 in assets. There used to be in the state of New Jersey an income limit, but that has been done away with. So, for example, and I'm just making this number up. If income limit was $2,000 a month and you made $2,100 a month, you were not eligible for Medicaid. So we had a lot of people, you know, that were really falling in the in-between mark. So what the state of New Jersey now recognizes is something called the Miller Trust, where they can put in a trust any uh, income that is over the income limit goes into this Miller Trust. And once that person um, passes, uh, the state of New Jersey will take some of that money that's in the Miller Trust or will take the Miller Trust funds to pay itself back for the care that they have rendered, the cost of the care that they have rendered. People also sometimes misunderstand that they think if they're on Medicaid, that they pay nothing. They don't have a contribution. That's also not true. Medicaid will determine how much of your monthly income that you are expected to contribute towards the cost of your care.
0: And then there may be somebody sitting there and saying, wait a minute, wait a minute, this is all, I I may have to face this one day, but I have nothing to worry about because a couple of years ago, I bought long-term care insurance and I don't have a worry in the world. True or false?
1: False again. And the reason why it's false is because oftentimes I see people that come with policies and they're not really sure what the policy actually covers or not sure what they bought. What people have to understand is every person's policy is their policy. It's an individualized type of insurance, meaning that there is no hard and fast rules as to what they bought and what it covers and what it doesn't. For example, You can buy a long-term care insurance policy that offers um, help with home health aides, that offers coverage for assisted living, that offers coverage for adult daycare, that offers coverage for for skilled nursing. You can buy a policy that just covers one of those areas. You can buy a policy that covers any two of those areas. So you, everyone, what they purchase is so hyper-specific to them. The next phase would be. How much a day did they purchase of coverage? Meaning if you purchase, say, for example, $100 a day for a skilled nursing or a long-term care room or a bed, and the actual cost today for that bed is, say, $600, that means that the person still owes $500 a day for that bed. So it's it's almost like a discount would be, but it's not a coverage if you will. Also, when people buy this, these policies, oftentimes there's an elimination period. So people sometimes may have a 30-day elimination, 60-day elimination, or a 90-day elimination.
0: What, is that, what does that mean, elimination period? Good
1: question. That means that people are not eligible to use their benefits until they have been in a skilled nursing environment. In this example, they haven't been in a skilled nursing environment until 30 days, 60 days, or 90 days. Why people do that is because they're banking that they're coming first on a Medicare stay that will then convert into long-term care. So going back to the example of when people come in for short-term rehab, but they are not eligible or able to go home anymore, and they need the assistance of skilled nursing, that they'll start counting their days towards their elimination period during that rehab stay.
0: I've heard it said, I've run into this, that uh, ABC assisted living or so, we have 100 beds, but we only have five Medicare beds. It, it, am I misunderstanding that?
1: Yeah. So, clarify. <laughs> sure. So, when nursing homes um, operate, They can operate either strictly only as private pay, which is not the vast majority at this point in time, or they can operate as Medicare certified beds only or Medicaid certified beds only. So what they mean is that they may only have X amount of beds that are certified to service Medicaid residents. They may have only certain amount of beds certified to certify Medicare residents, or they could have duly certified beds. So sometimes it could be referring to how many beds they actually have uh, that have been certified um, in order to offer a Medicare bed to somebody. So for example, there are places in our area that strictly do private pay and Medicare only. They don't do any Medicaid or long-term care. They're purely for a short term or a private
0: pay. So once again, it behooves a family who's who went entering this to get help. Because this can be oh, to try to do this by yourself, I would imagine, can be overwhelming uh and um I know extremely frustrating. It extremely is frustrating.
1: extremely overwhelming. It's extremely frustrating, and as a point that you mentioned a little bit ago is that oftentimes people don't do any research at all until there's a crisis. And once you're in a crisis, your emotions are high. It's, it's truly life-changing um, and it's hard to make good decisions. One of the best gifts that adults can give to their children is that they make plans or have an idea as to what they want before the crisis actually takes place. And unfortunately, it's not a really sexy thing to do to go out and look at different communities. It's not a sexy thing to do to plan. Well, what if I'm going to do if I need nursing care? Um, sometimes these topics are a little too taboo. But I would encourage people to take the time to give your children the gift that they are absolutely going to have to make for you at some time. Um, and that way they know what your wishes are. The more that you have planned out, the more conversations you have about what you want and where you want it um, is only going to lead to success later on.
0: So this is part of, and this is part of a conversation we have in our work in the workshops we do on caregiving, that as important as all those documents at the end of life are, equally as important, hearing what you said, is for a family to sit down and develop what we call a care plan. Including this is, in the event of this, this is where I wanna go and et cetera, et cetera. To the CCRC, like Lionsgate or, you know, in, in all the communities that we, that we have, um, is there, if I wanna live there, is there a buy-in or do I have to pay or is it a month to month? or is there a combination of both? Um, Could you just address that very quickly?
1: Absolutely. So I'm gonna uh, just give you, um, my reference will be Lionsgate. And knowing that CCRCs generally work in the way that I'm discussing, um, but each CCRC, depending on the type that they are, so not to get buried in the weeds too much, will have a little variation of what I'm saying, but this is the general principle. Typically, a CCRC has what is called an entrance fee, and that entrance fee applies to the independent living apartment. So for example, somebody may pay $250,000 to come in, then they have to decide if it's going to be a 90% 90 refundable contract, a 50% or a zero. And what that means is after the person lives at Lionsgate, that either 90%, 50% or none will be refunded to their estate. In addition to the entrance fee, there is a monthly fee. And the monthly fee goes to cover the cost of housekeeping programs. Um, For us, it's the dinner meal. Um, It could be for local transportation, Um, you know, things along those lines as people age in place and they need a higher level of care, you're going to pay a difference in the monthly fee. Hence, you're going to pay less in independent living than you would in assisted living. You'll pay less in assisted living than you would in skilled nursing. For residents that come into independent living, there is a little bit of a break uh, for the residents as they move through the continuum of care in what those monthly fees are, but they do pay with us the current market rate for those fees. At the same token, if somebody is to outlive their assets, now keep in mind when Lionsgate first came to be, we had people um, coming in 2007 that are 75 years old that are still with us today. We actually have a large number of uh, residents in the state of New Jersey, a hundred years age or older. Um, we have 1% of the entire state centennial, centenarians that are living. Here. Um, so there is a chance that you will outlive your assets. You're going to blow away all the actuarial tables. That's when Lionsgate will either help you with depleting your entrance fee to help cover the cost of you, your living here, um, or ultimately cover the expense because that's the commitment that gets made you know, with the entrance fee. Now, when you go into assisted living it is a CCRC, at least how it is here, is that there, there is no entrance fee, meaning you can enter any part of the continuum at any time. So you don't have to go through independent living and hit each one. You can start at independent living, you can start at assisted living, you can start at nursing, or you can just come for rehab. You don't have to have one or the other. So the area which you start will have a price structure accordingly, according to that area. If that makes sense.
0: No. So there's a price structure for every entry point in the in the process.
1: Correct. Some yeah. have an entrance fee, as yes, independent living does, but the rest of the campus does not.
0: So this has been. Um, uh, <sighs> A a a a fascinating conversation of very very basic and absolutely important information, not only for our generation, for my kids' generation as well. Because I will bet you that the majority of uh, the Gen Xers who are our generation's kid have not even looked at this and are scared to death to even talk about it. That's just a an just a sense. Um. Here's the easiest question. You deal with families all the time, come to see you various stages of preparation, non-preparation. What's, if they were all lined up here, you could look them straight in the eye. What's the one piece of advice you would give families?
1: I would tell them to plan ahead. I would tell them to talk openly and honestly about where they want to live, how they want to live. I know this podcast is not directed at advanced directives or living wills, but that's all part of the conversation. It really needs to be an understanding of what is desired, but also what is desired, but what's reality. And what, if I may, the idea that I prom you know, the, I, I hear times I promise my mom, my sister, my aunt, whatever, that I would never place them. I would care for them at home. I promised. I promised. I promise. Please stop promising because you don't know what the reality is going to be. And honestly, when you come and you tour a community, everyone has their own feel. Everyone has their own um, atmosphere. There is one out there, I believe, that would be right for you. So, the idea of um, some imagery that is not always flattering towards the senior living industry, there is also plenty more uh, imagery that is. And sometimes the care that is required or needed can't really be handled forever in the home. So, stop making the promise, it just may not be reality.
0: No, this comes up at every Art of Caregiving workshop we do and Build in exactly that you make that promise at the deli ten years ago, and now you realize that you can't because the the health and safety of your loved one takes precedence. And we go to a passage from Maimonides in the twelfth century, uh in one of his writings, which actually lays out the proof text of when it is permissible Jewishly to transfer care to a third party, and it's part of the workshop we do, but. The fact that this is an our tradition uh, is to me fascinating, and um, can really alleviate a lot of the guilt that people feel and say, you know, in this particular case, what I'm really doing is going to a higher value according to tradition. Meredith Becker, the chief operating officer of Lionsgate CCRC here in Southern New Jersey, thank you very very much um, uh, for this tour de force of very basics. Uh, So thank you, Meredith. You just take care of yourself. Stay safe, stay healthy, and um, I'll see you on campus, um, hopefully.
1: Take care. Thank you very much.
0: Our pleasure. To all of you, thank you for joining us on today's edition of Seekers of Meaning, the podcast TV arm of Jewish Sacred Aging. If you'd like to make a suggestion for the programs, just email me at rabbiaddress at jewishsacredaging.com. Go visit the website jewishsacredaging.com and if you'd like to help support us on the website there's a very very conveniently located donate button click on that just follow the prompts and we appreciate it very 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 much if your organization would like to be a sponsor of uh, some of these podcasts please contact me we can work something out very very reasonably and again a reminder that Seekers of Meaning is produced at the studios of Mubetkin Media here in beautiful in New Jersey, and a shout-out to our producer, Steve Lubecki. To all of you, thank you very, very much for joining us on today's edition of Secrets of Meaning, the podcast TV on Jewish Sacred Aging. In the meantime, till we meet again, stay safe, everyone, stay healthy, and most of all, be kind to one another. B'dah, shalom.